come on. Here. Okay, to expand. Hello, fish from Letchworth. Vaccine spring coming. Vigil license news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Fishing Friday. I'll just run through some of your first names. Thomas Mercier, right up there. Samantha Little from Maidenhead. Alan Copleson. Evening, fish. Oh, I've got to watch what I'm doing. I don't want to screw this up. Um, Greg Haylett from Kelso High. Paul Murphy from Brighton. Come on, come on, come on, come on. David Paulson, even though, Stephen Coverage from Epsom, Neil Quarrel from Southampton, Stephen Rave from Zarbrücken, I like to watch, yeah, Wolfgang Tremel, yeah, we're alive, Bad Homburg in Germany, Shay Lynn from Southern California, Andrew McDonald from Saudi, hello, Michael Simmons watching the sun slowly sinking in the west, Phil Wood from Big Manny from Phil Wood and Cove, oh, yeah, yeah. Mandy Brain, Northamptonshire, Karen Clark, are the builders through the wall yet with your mum? Yes, they're through, like time bandits. Look at that. It's the right way around and everything. My heart was going like bum, 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 bum before. Steve Ansis. Um, Steve Ansis got his uh, first vaccination yesterday and he's feeling a wee bit peely-wally. And uh, he's eating chicken soup and watching black and white movies on the couch all day. So, uh Hello, Steve, if you're watching, which you might be, instead of your black and white movies. And I hope the chicken soup's really good. But Steve sent me up um, one of the tracks from uh, the live album um, that, we're, that we're working on now. Oh, Steve's mainly... Well, Steve's in the work at the moment. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Happy Erdingle Day. It was... Um... So he sent me up a track, and I've got... He sent me up Little Man What Now which is recorded live in Glasgow on the 2018 tour, the Veldschmerz Clutching It Straws tour. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I should call any tour Veldschmerz, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a curse. <laughs> yeah, the Veldschmerz 2018 tour, when we thought we were going to have the album out, or when I thought I was going to have the album out. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Glasgow gig, I think it was ABC, was, um, uh, was brilliant. <laughs> Look what's happened since then. Burnt venue, burnt down and everything. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So we recorded the, the Glasgow show. Well, Steve's found the Glasgow show and he said it's really good. So he sent me up a rough mix of Little Man What Now. It's not mastered and it's just a rough mix. And um, I went, great. I'm going to play that on the show tonight. <laughs> so I did it. Put the disc in, burnt it, da -da, brought it through. Would that CD player play the disc? No. Tried it. I thought maybe something wrong with the blank disc or something. Nah. It just wouldn't play. And you put it in and it went <coughs> open. <coughs> open. So I don't have Little Man What Now Live from Glasgow on here. Right? So I'm going to take you through at the control room later and I'll play you it. Maybe we can kind of move about and change things and things. Mark Scott from Sheffield. Hello. Adrian Taff from Preston Pans. 
the Pana, Tom Bombadil, Chili Fife, Javier Enrique Diaz, Julian John Van Harte from South Africa. That's the first one, I think. Is it? Well, it's the first time I've seen you. I, I know it's a Q&A session, but this runs through so fast and I go away on tangents and I've got to kind of bounce back and, and forward and into it again, right? John Watson, get your first vaccine jag on Friday. Yeah, good on you, man. Um, it was great. Simona got her uh, notification through that uh, she's getting vaccinated <laughs> in Bathgate. <laughs> so uh, that's the 20th of March. So we'll have to drive through to the Pyramid Centre in Bathgate for a vaccination. And I'm not changing it. I just, I'm grabbing this. You know, I want I want my wife to get, get her first vaccination. And uh, my mum's second one's on the 27th, which is good. So gradually, bit by bit, this house is, is, is becoming vaccinated, which is truly... It's a relief, to be honest. But now, uh, and of course, we've had the builders in and they've been working on the bathroom extension. And uh, but they've been working on the outside. So it's like there's like a door. And um, had to, when my mum moved in in January, God, what was it? When did my mum move in? January 19? It was, uh, yeah, January 19. She moved in and we had to take the bathroom door off because it, it was that's that. It's a tiny, it was a tiny showroom, you know. I explained to you before, it's like, it, I'm a guy and I designed it like a guy before I knew Simona was going to be coming across. And it was a, you know, it's a guy's bathroom. Guys do not need mirrors, right? We don't need mirrors at all. And this is no reason, I don't do my hair. Um, and it was a tiny little kind of wash-on basin sitting next to the toilet and a shower room, right? So, uh, well, it's not a shower room. There was a shower on the other side of the, the, the kind of toilet. And uh, it was all well and good. And like I said, we had the door and the bathroom. But when my mum moved up, we had to take it off because there was a... a if my mum had fallen or taken a tumble in the, 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 the little bathroom, we would never have got the door open if she'd been behind the door. So we just took the door off. And um, it's, it was fine. But then when we started the extension, we realised that there'd be builders kind of kicking around and they had to do work inside the, 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 the little shower room kind of toilet thing. So we put the door on and it was covered up. So all the guys worked behind the doors. And it's a bit like the Time Bandits. It's like, you know, it's like, do, 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 and do, do, do. And you let them coming out the wardrobe in Time Bandits. They come out the door and, hi, how you doing? And my mum now, it's like, you know, as soon as she knew the builders were coming, she's got the lippy on, right? <laughs> Yeah, so she gets the lippy on, gets all up. Oh, okay, the boys are here, the boys are here today. And she was getting up at like six o'clock in the morning because she, obviously she was still using the the the, the toilet and, and stuff while, you know, the, we were using the toilet in the shower because there was a, basically there was the open doorway and then there was a window and they have to knock through the window, right? But what was happening in the first kind of, kind of week and a half, two weeks, they had to climb through the window if they had to measure stuff and do bits and pieces. It was like the time band that's coming through at night, right? So my mum's been getting up at, she's been getting up at five, six in the morning. The builders were arrived at eight, right? And she's completely knackered in the afternoon. And we've been saying to her, because it's all bush, 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 on the other side of the window, right? And we said, well, come on through here and, and sit through here with us so you can watch the, the TV, right? And our favourite programmes like Tipping Point and things and Catchphrase and stuff and uh, another one, The Chaser Game, whatever it's called. Well, she loves all these programmes, right? 
but Tipping Point, I think, is one of our favourites. And um, so anyway, there's my mum with the lippy on, and the Time Bandits are coming through the bathroom window. And uh, and this week we had to change it because suddenly they had to they did the breakthrough. <laughs> it was the breakthrough. So it was like the door was on, everything was closed up. So my mum's now showering through in, in the disco bog now. <laughs> she showers in the disco bog. And I had to tell her, right? I said, you know, if you go in, I said, don't press that switch, right? Because it's like, if you do it, it turns into the disco bog. And she's going, disco bog? <laughs> and she found out where the disco bog was. So she, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> And of course, and we had to change all the, the kind of the, all the, the toilet and shower arrangements. So, like you know, Simona washes her through in the the, the, the in what is our bathroom. So my mum's now taking over our bathroom. Right? She's gradually taking over the entire house, right? But anyway, so we, she was through there with a the lippy on and kind of made up. And, and if she gets talking to the builders, it's like I feel like I've got to go and go look, guys. Can you want your work? It's like, will you please stop talking to the builders, mum? Right. But she's loving it. She's been having a great time. And she's since then, it's all bish, bosh, bish, bosh, bang, 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 crack, 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 dip it up, you know. And I'd say, please, you know, she's not quite happy sitting reading her book, right, and listening to the bish, bosh, bang, waiting on the builders, the time bandits to come through so she can talk to them. So that's, it's, been, it's been a fun week on that. And, of course, now when she wants to go to the toilet, she's got to come through in a walker and come all the way through the house, right? And it's like, choo, 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 choo. <laughs> the disco ball goes on. Oh, I've got the wrong switch again. <laughs> I'm just a dance. So that, that, that's for later, right? So yeah, so it's been that. And then this week as well, it was, uh, you know, I was, the guys were in and they were putting, they put all the, the kind of pipe work and bits and pieces of things in, right? And it was kind of arranged that the new extension was just going to have a bath in it. And then we were going to put the wash and basin in that side so we could clear the wash and little wash and basin out so we'd give more room in the, in the little one in the, the, in the, the previous kind of showroom. And then I went through and Malcolm, the plumber, said to me while he was standing in the big room where the bath goes, and he goes, this would make a great shower room. He said, like, this would be great. You could make a great wet room in here. And he also told me that because of previous work that's been done, we're having to kind of rip up, and because we're dealing with the pipes, we've got to rip up the existing shower. And he said, well, we can't really replace it as it is. And he said, you're going to have to put a shower tray in there, and the shower tray is going to be smaller, and we won't be able to put the seat on, and it was going to become a little bit constrictive, and someone was saying it's going to be too claustrophobic. And on top of that, the splash things. Anyway, Malcolm says to me, he says, make a great wear room. And I'm going, ching. And I went, wait a minute, I've got all this wrong. And I was thinking, I wasn't thinking laterally, you know? And I was just thinking shower, toilet, window broken through, bath, and wash and basin, big wash and basin, right? And disco bog light, right? And um, he says, this would make a great wear room. And they were like, bye. And I sat there the whole night and the program was running in my head you know it was like you know, the creative was going like oh wait a minute wait a minute let's rethink rethink and I went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep and I spent the whole night <clears throat> tossing and turning thinking about what I was going to do and I was like bomb eureka so I was knackered from toilet and shower designing all night in my sleep right 
And I had to get up really early. So I'm up at half past seven, two hours after my mum gets up. She's through there with a lippy on, through in the bathroom, through in the bedroom, right? Good luck. This is the boys, the boys are just about to, they're, they're, they've arrived, they heard the van. <laughs> and I was in there and Malcolm was there and I said, I need to talk. I said, can we do this? Right? I said, I know I've said this and I know this is kind of how we've been talking about it, but can we change it? <laughs> and they were like, and I explained to them, so we've changed it. So now we're putting a big long shower in that's wider, which means that my mum can put a little seat in that she goes in when Simona showers her and stuff. And then we've got basically the bath in that room. And the bath is now going to the window, which means I can go for a bath now and I can look out into the garden, which is great. And I, I did think about that right at the start, where the bath was going to go, right? That's the way my mind kind of works. I, Chum things around. Anyway, so that's it. So I told the guys, and then suddenly we're in this whole new world, and, whole, and, it, and it works. And the hot and cold taps and everything were there. There wasn't a lot to be done. It was like the wash hand basin becomes the bath, the shower goes where the bath was, and the wash hand basin, the new wash hand basin goes where the shower was. Are you with me? Right? So that was all sorted out. So suddenly I had to get on the phone and start organising a big shower tree. And this is really, this is, I love when these things happen, right? So I'm on the phone to this um, uh, this bathroom place to get basically a 190 centimetre long shower that's 800 wide. And of course, obviously, you know, as Malcolm and the guy said, this won't be a stock item. And I'm going, oh no. And I'm up and I'm Googling away and I found 1900 by 800 and it was like, you know, da, 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 three to four weeks delivery, you know, and I'm going, oh no. And I, I'm going, I can't ask the guys and we need to get this room sorted out. And the builders, it's unbelievable, right? I was talking to them and I said like, um, you know, how's, are you kind of, are you going to be really busy? And the guy said, we, we're actually booked up till next May, next May. He said, normally, he said, we've got jobs in, in the cars that's normally about four months ahead or something. But he said, they're actually booked solid till next May because everybody's been in lockdown. Nobody's going on holidays. Everybody's got, like, you know, money and they've also been in their houses going, like me, going to bed at night, thinking about what's going on. Like, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could sort of, maybe I could extend, maybe I could build, you know, and they're booked up till next May. And of course, I'm going in to say, like, oh, you know, can we redesign the bathroom? And it was like, I'm going at the group. Well, we'll have to come back in November to finish it. No. So I'm on the phone, trying to find the shower tree, three to four weeks, and I find this company. And um, I phoned them up and I said, I'm looking for this. And a really nice guy called Mitchell said, let me get back to you. He said, I'll see what I can do. And the one that I really wanted was one that was kind of going to take three to four weeks. And he phones me back up for about 10 minutes and he says, well, I've got this one. And it was the one I wanted. And he said, we can get it to you next week. And I was like, ah, oh, bingo, right? So we've got the shower tree, the, exactly the right size, arriving next Wednesday, just in time for Malcolm to put in. And all the other guys are looking at Malcolm going, don't talk to him again about this stuff, right? Because, you know, don't talk to fish about this stuff, right? Because he'll just keep on changing stuff. But we've got the shower tree. So Mitchell was me up, as I said. He says, next Wednesday, we'll have it up there, the shower tree you want. And he said, there's a girl called Eve, right? 
and she'd like to call you back because her husband's a big fan, right? And I went, yeah, okay, because Mitchell had done, really helped me out with this, right? And it was, you know, he'd, he'd pulled the rabbit out of the hat and he phoned me up, right? And like I said, I love these moments of like pure synchronicity. And he said, yeah, my husband's a big fan and he's coming along to see you in Sheffield because he said his dad used to work for you, right? And I'm going, what, right? And it was John Batty. And you don't know John Batty, and I've not seen John Batty since about 1988, right? And John was actually, I think it was Pete Travis's bass roadie, right? Which was <laughs> a bass roadie, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, if you want a job where you've got very little to do, become a bass roadie, right? The big thick strings, they very rarely break. You'll get a bit of crinkling and crackling and wires that you've got to change, and that's really it. Bass cab up, put the Moog pedals out, the Taurus pedals, da-da-da. That's a bass roadie, right? And John Batty was the bass roadie. And John Batty, I actually wanted to, to, I actually tried to get him to join my crew, but he elected to stay with the old guys with some, because the crew split between myself and Marillion after I left. Andy Field came with me, and John Batty stayed with the wings. And I hadn't heard for John. And in actual fact, I heard a rumour about seven years ago that he'd basically passed away and thank god he's not and john batty's coming along to the sheffield gig where he's um with his nephew but i mean what a coincidence phoning up get the shower cabinet mitchell sets it up he phones me up blah 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 john batty out of all the things in the world it's john batty's nephew's wife that's on the phone to me so that was a lovely piece of synchronicity so i've given john my phone number or I'll give Eve my phone number, give to John, so hopefully John will phone up sometime. But he was a lovely guy. I really liked him. And him and I used to get on like a house on fire back in the day. So uh, this was... Um, uh, it was... Yeah. So we've got the shower tray. Got the sink. And that, that was the other weird thing, right? Because when I woke up in the morning at half past seven and went through to see the Time Bandits, right? It was like... I'm going like, oh no, the sizes. And I've just bought the sink unit. And it was, we've got something, it was expensive, but we've got a stock item, which was kind of, it's, it's um, a showroom item. So we got it at less than half price, which was cool. And Simona wanted a little sink on the right, rather than, so we've got a bit on the left where you can put the electric toothbrushes and stuff and the doobies. And I've already paid for this sink and the original measurements, right, when I, when I got them, I was like going, oh, I hope so. And I went through, I spoke to the time balance. I said, what can I play with in the sink area? And I went, oh, you can only play with this, right? It was like a oh, thousand in Dubry, number stuff, right? And, uh, and I went, oh, no. And the original thing on the website where I bought it, it was about 40 centimetres too big. And I went, oh, no. I'm going to have to get, go and change the sink unit that they're going to be taking out the showroom and they're getting guys in to dismantle this thing in the showroom and I'm going, this is a mess. And I went through and checked it and looked at the correct measurements that they sent me, which were different from the ones on the website. Perfect. It was, it was meant to be. But the other thing was, for the new, for Disco Bog 2, for my mum's Disco Bog, right, I'd ordered this mirror that's got LED lights in it and things, right? Because you can't have a disco bog without a mirror flashing, right? So I'd ordered the mirror the night before as well. 
and it was like about 300 uh, millimetres, too big for the space where the sink was going to go. And I'm going, Whoa. And the previous night, right at the end of play, I got a message saying, it was like, thank you very much for your order. And then basically, an hour later, I got a message through saying, it's out of stock and we won't have it in for ages. And it was like, perfect. I mean, perfect, right? So we had to change the mirror, right? So the, we've got a mirror that fits perfectly. The sink fits perfect. The, ba the, the bath goes next to the window so we could look into the garden and watch the wee plants grow and right, check the vegetables, watch out for the cabbage white butterflies, maybe get an air gun, shoot the ball out, shoot the rabbits from the window. Brilliant. And a big shower that, you know, we can have a party in. It's fantastic. So everybody's happy. Malcolm's happy. Um, the rest of the time bandits don't hit Mal hate Malcolm anymore. And, uh, and uh, the bathroom is moving on. And um, the only thing we're actually missing is the actual bricky because all the outsides are up. It's all silvered. It's all... All the insulation's in, but we don't have a bricky. We're supposed to be here a week and a half ago. So we've got a roof, we've got the insides, we've got all the bits and pieces, we've got the magic mirror for the disco bog, we've got the bath, everything's done, apart from the bricky, waiting on the bricky, right? So we're trying to chase down this bricky. Anyway, so that was it. John Batty, da-da-da, blah-blah-blah, magic mirrors, everything, all falling into place, right? So it's been good. And on top of that, um, out in the garden, oh, I can show you, because it's still late. Because we're now this. Someone with a beer. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still light. It's great. It's like it's like the world's just changing around us. So you can see in the distance. There's the archway. And there's a nice guy called Alan. Those silver things. They're not. It's not nothing to do with the garden. The silver things are, uh, they're Yorkies for dealing with the mail order. We don't need them at the moment. But you can see in the distance, there's the archway and the gate, which is going to keep in the, with the dog when we eventually get it in God knows where. Strawberry beds, grasses, everything's all coming on. And then today, I don't know how far I can get with this before it switches off. I'll keep going. And Alan Ingalls, if you see the steps, and I had them sitting there for ages, and um, they were just basically, it was, it was just all built up, and it, was, it wasn't concreted. And every time I went up, because that's where the onion bed is. Onion bed's over there, next to the car. And um, so the steps are there, and but I was always worried I was going to walk onto them, and it was all going to collapse, and I was going to end up in an ambulance in the way to A&E. So he cemented them all and done a really, Alan's, Alan's brilliant with stonework. He actually built the wall. The bag's blown, that came in the gales. But that's our fernery. And do you like the Game of, the game of Thrones? My sister, my sister Laura gave me them for, I think it was my birthday a couple of years back. That's my Game of Thrones torches. That one comes on first, that one's later. But it gives it that lovely medieval castle feel. And that's my fernery, a cabin. And it's all kind of zipping together. And it's just such a great feeling, you know, just having a bit, having just longer days is just fantastic. And uh, and then getting the chilies and the tomatoes in that you saw probably on the, the Facebook pages, getting them in as well. And starting to, and starting to clear up the house. It's, uh, 
it's been feeling positive because I had a really shitty couple of days. I had a couple of days after the Fishing Friday thing. I had a couple of like, you know those days where it's like you just sit there and you just want to, Scottish, you just want to mong, you know what I mean? And sat, last Saturday was, uh, you know, I went out and I felt good because I did the, is that the squirrel? Is it? You might even see a squirrel in the feeder. It's getting like nature watch now, isn't it? And, um, but, uh, but yes, I got the Toms of the Chilies in on the Saturday and didn't watch the football, which I was glad because we got humped. And, uh, but Sunday was just a real, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get my head round stuff. And then it was rain and cold and, oh. And, you know, it, it, it just got to me, you know. Then I think, you know, with the questions that are still all over the European tour at the moment and then getting the news in from uh, Germany and and stuff with the, the vaccinations. Really interesting. <laughs> Dominic, my production manager, is working in a vaccination centre in Berlin, right? And uh, earning a decent living. <laughs> He's vaccinating people. And as my daughter Tara said, I wouldn't trust them with a needle anywhere. I think he probably uses people like dartboards. I don't think they'll, you know, he just goes, one, two. I said, to many of you done today? He said, when I phoned him up this morning, I was talking about the tour. And he said, uh, 3,000. And I said, what, you did 3,000 on your own? <laughs> it's thrown dart. Vaccination deals. Get in there. Get in there. One, 340. Right. So, yes, yeah, so Dominic's working in a vaccination centre. And um, so it's, we'd, we've been dealing with that. But I mean, as I said, the days have been kind of uh, strange. And it was, um, it was, like I said, with the garden, it's, it was good to get the archway up and get the little wall done. And Alan's putting a little kind of flower bed thing in the wall. So we're ready to get the clematis geared up around it. And uh, all I need to do now is find a roofer or a guy that can do the fascia panels around the garage because they're rotten. And there's a hole in the corner. And last year, there was about 15,000 starlings in it. There's probably more starlings in that garage than there was in the, in the roof, internal part of the garage, not in the garage. It was like, but in this roof space, there was more starlings in there than there was in Brighton Pier. And um, it was like, and the bastards are like, when they come at the feeders, right? They hit the feeders and it's like, greedy starlings I've mentioned this before it's like they just go like when they eat they go like and you just get the feeders just go and they don't eel it's like I don't like that don't like that bit don't like that bit don't like that bit and they throw all about and then all the other birds the pigeons are all dancing about like eating the seed and then at this time you're all trying to shag each other right so it's like pigeons chasing each other, like, you know, food, 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 shag, 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 food, food, shag, shag, you know. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm going to get this fascia panel done on the garage soon so we don't have the starlings kind of making a nest up there. And of course, it's like, you know, them and the whole, the whole family are basically, it's... <laughs> I was going to say, it's only a crow flight away. But, uh, but yeah, the, it's like... They're straight across into the, into the pergola and into the feeders, right? Joyce Vandenberg, looking good. Fish, yeah, I had a shave. We did a thing today. And um, it's uh, Simona. Simona helped do my beard today. And it's, it's something 
lovely and intimate and warm. You know, it's like when your wife shaves you and, and, and she did the beard and things. Now, it was so weird, a nice little morning to do. And then, then I did all the lines. I got myself lined and shaved and got the polish on. It was cool. Ah, uh, love the big garden, yeah, but you should wait for the weed start. And the moment, yeah. Female Chinese war deer today by our fence, which overlooks the RSPB. Wow, Chinese war deer. Right. Kelly Arnold, squirrel. <laughs> John Kinnistow, Finland had no fun. Daniel Levaldi, high fish from Italy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've heard that Italy's gone back in lockdown again. I don't know if that's true. It's uh, Laura B. Ward, did daylight saving this weekend? Is it this weekend the clocks go? Oh, wow, I forgot. That really screws me up. I was nearly late today because I found my watch, my Swiss Army watch. I, I was about, I'd lost four days. And I looked and I went, it says it's the eighth. And I'm going, what? And of course, I went to change it. And it's, you know, that bit where you got to half pull it out and then to get the date and then revolve it. And of course, I knocked the time. And I'd, I'd put the time back because I'd knocked it forward. My clock went forward before everybody else's or back. I can't remember it sideways. And uh, and it was like it was registering at two minutes to six or three minutes to six. I went, I've got time for another wee beer. <laughs> and then I looked at the thing. It was like six o'clock. <sighs> Susan Alexander, hello, Trace. Oh, I lost you. I've got to wind it down. Sorry. Lee Ford ordered my bandanas yesterday, arrived this morning. Many thanks, Simona. Darren, Lee Ford's very happy with the bandana. Oh, I got this today, right? Good. I was going to wear it, but Simona said, wear the tea, right? I got this. This is a replica of a 1920s hip shop with the original club, the old club logo that they got rid of ages ago, the harp, with Hibernian embroidered. Really cool piece. I ordered this on the 2nd of December last year. So it's not just you, right? 2nd of December, and I phoned up the guys, and I'm still waiting on the other half of the order that's seemingly been processed. So, But I've got a 1920s hip strip that I'm going to be wearing tomorrow, right, when hips play Ross County up in Dingwall, which we're probably going to get humped because John Hughes is the manager and I don't want to go to football because I know a lot of you hate it, but John Hughes is the ex-Hibs captain and he's somebody that I know well. He's a lovely bloke. He's the manager of Ross County. We're playing them. We need the three points to stay third in the division. So, so I'll be wearing that tomorrow. But tonight I'm wearing the Fish and Friday shirt, which was described by somebody on the Fish group pages as something that fat guys wear. A bunch of old fat guys like with grey beards wear when they go and visit a, 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 a kind of local brewery in Tring. And it's like, would you please tell me when the local brewery in Tring is open? Because I'll be there, right? He said, like, he said, it looks like a bunch of, just an old guy. I am an old guy. I'm 63. Uh. Louisa McMillan, next weekend, Tobias van der Peer. It's the 28th March, big man. What is the 28th of March? Oh, right, the clocks go on the 28th of March, right? Oh, that could have been nasty. <laughs> Move all the clocks forward. My mum would have got really, really confused. 
It's never mind time bandits coming in through the wall. It's like, you know, and she thinks they're coming in at six o'clock in the morning. It's like, you know, ah, she'll be up at four. You know, get up in darkness with a torch. Mothering Sunday this weekend. Yes, I've got that, right? Fully prepared. My mum hates flowers, right? She doesn't like flowers in her room and she kills plants, right? And she's not good with plants. House plants, uh-uh. She loves flowers, only not in her room. Oh yeah, she loves flowers, but not in her room. Yeah. Right? But it's like, we gotta watch because mum does this thing and it's like, you know, like Thursday's watering day, right? And you can go there on a Tuesday. Go, you can go in on a Tuesday. And this, we've gone in and I've found plants, like, honest to God, the pot's sitting in, in the, the, the kind of waterproof pot. And there's only that much between the top and the water level. Like, it's just, it's just five pints of water in a pot, you know? We've got to go through and wring them out. And uh, we've kind of got down, so we've got a lot of plastic flowers that she used to have a lot in the house in North Berwick. But there's a lot of plastic flowers in there that kind of go in, so we kind of deal with it. But I mean, my daughter, Tara, she's brilliant with houseplants. I mean, I don't know what's happened to my daughter. It's like, she's just had this road to Damascus thing. And all the stuff that I'm trying to get her into, right? She's now really, really in her, of her own volition, because of her boyfriend, Jono, and she's got an amazing collection of houseplants. And she's into gardening and all sorts, and the dog Dexter, brilliant dog Dexter. She goes and walks in the country and takes all these, she's great. It's, just, it's like, she's just a, a born again nature lover. It's quite it's weird. Kevin Randall, 28th match, clock exchange, thank you. Snero letter, KSA, KSA, KSA. Yeah, so we're at um, Karlsruhe Sporting Club, um, um, which is our German team, because Simona comes from Karlsruhe, Durlach Karlsruhe. And they're sitting fifth in the league at the moment and could possibly get into the playoffs. So, Linda Dublin, we're all getting old. Uh, Tom Hardy, can someone confirm if there will be more XL size fish clutching at straws t-shirts coming into stock, please? No. Um, the clutch of the saw shirts, we won't be repeating. Um, shirts are a really weird thing. It's like, I mean, I've still got the, 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 the two the T-shirts two from last year. We only bought, we didn't take on that many. And it's, you know, they've not gone. And it's the same with some of the Velshimut shirts. And when I've put up things saying, you know, what kind of shirt you want, you get all the people saying, like, I want this, these are the sizes. And, uh, but we've got to be really careful with shirts. I mean, I would love to do Vigil, the original Vigil shirt with that kind of greeny thing. It was one of my favourites, and I've still got the sweatshirt that I love. And, um, but the problem is, you know, you have to buy across all the sizes. It'd be great if you could just do one size fits all. <laughs> and, uh, but no, and so you've got to buy, you know, a lot of shirts and it's a lot of wedge going into stock that sits there. And like I said, I mean, I've still got the, the, the two t-shirts from 2020 with all the dates on them. Right? And they've not gone yet. Yeah? So it's like, so yes, I've got to watch, watch kind of what I do with shirts. Uh, Andy Laidlaw, yes, this clock moves sideways. Simone knows you know, yes, yes, yes. Uh. <laughs> She's laughing through there. Uh. 
Linda Dubler, I'm a fat person. Time to stop. It's time to stop using fat as a derogatory term. I'm not. I'm. It's like it's what I am, right? It's just like I need. I mean, seriously, it's like it's. Uh, I'm a kind of. I've got to really get myself sorted out this year. I mean, well, it's hibernation time for bears. It's like I mean, I, the or the new thing, white chocolate, right? I, I was a Milky Bar kid when I was younger, right? And um. I used to love Milky Bars and Caramax, right? And I used to eat them. I've got a terrible sweet tooth and we kind of ban, we don't ban chocolate in this house, but we kind of avoid it because we know if it ever comes here, right? It's like, it's mental, right? And, um, but we've been getting these, what are they, what are they? Cadbury's, what are they called? What's those? White chocolate bars. Are they Cadbury's? Yeah. And it's been selling in the co-op for a quid, right? They're reduced to a quid. And Simona went down the other day and bought three. And I've got to really watch because they're in the fridge and cold. I know now why they're only one pound because they're very thin. Yeah. <laughs> Cadbury's white. Take away. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, it's mental. And I can't stop it. And it's like, if they're in the fridge, they talk to me from the fridge, right? You can hear them going, I'm over here, eat me. And I, I soon, and I, I mean, I know people that can open up a bar of chocolate and they only can take three squares or four squares. I can't do that. It's like, it's, it's a bit like when I open up a bottle of wine. I've got to drink the whole bottle, right? I can't do, people that put, buy wine. I mean, I, I, I know guys that do it and I, I admire them. I have incredible admiration for like, incredible admiration for people that can go, like, talk to Callum Malcolm about this. He's the same, he can't do that either. They, you know, I'll just have a glass of wine and I'll put the cork back in, I'll put the screw it back and put it back in the fridge and we'll have it tomorrow. I can't do that. So it's like, as soon as you open it up, it's like you feel that it's all gonna escape and the next day the wine mice might get it in the fridge. So you gotta drink it. And it's the same with chocolate bars. And I can't have one or two squares and go, I'll just put that back in the fridge and I'll have it tomorrow. Or like, you know, oh, that's enough for me. <laughs> I can't do it. So I'm in a situation where I've been, it's been dark, it's been cold. I'm in a house, the fire's on, there's bugger all to do. So it's like, you know, a white chocolate bar comes in this house. Woof, vermisto, right? So, Brian Treadgold, Caramax were great. They came back, you know. I found that they came back. I thought they'd gone. I thought they were just part of childhood lore and they brought them back and they're like evil things, right? I don't know. I think they're made from uh, condensed milk or something, you know, and tablet and fudge. I mean, I can't go neat. I just, I munch that stuff. And of course, I'm just piling on the pounds at the moment. And I need to really kind of grab a hold of myself. <laughs> get the big hamster wheel out in the garden and get going, you know? Susan Alexander, I can't, can't stop eating white chocolate. What is it with white chocolate? I don't know. I don't really know. I, Cadbury's never used to make it, but Milky Bars, right? I just remember the Milky Bar kids. <laughs> Michael Simmons read, read some Caramac and it put me on the track to get a little larger now. Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, but I was really pleased. I put on a pair of trousers today and they fitted. Right? So I must have bought them when I was kind of like during my last hibernation period. 
stress up when you get to someone and say, oh no. Johnny put a Calamac history again. I feel Calamac history. But it's like, Calamac, it's like, you just keep on it and it just makes you feel sick because you eat it and you've got to keep on eating the damn stuff. Uh. Helen Donnell, shortbread that does it to me. Oreos, mint. Linda Dublin. Uh. Steph done chocolate Cheerio buns. Yeah. My dad was terrible. My, for Christmas with my dad, right? Where you, I never knew what to buy my dad for Christmas. I remember, <laughs> I can mention this before. My sister and I used to buy him bit back of Benson and Hedges. <laughs> well, we used to put our pocket money together and we used to buy a couple of packs of Benson and Hedges. <laughs> Here, Dad, here's some cigarettes. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so, in the latter years of my dad's life, right, he's a real, he's a real sweet tooth, right? And I remember when I was a kid, right, Saturday night was movie night. It was at Richard Widmark, Burt Lancaster, John Wayne. There was always a movie on on a Saturday night. And my dad used to go up to Wilson's, the greengrocers in Dalkeith High Street, right? After he shut the garage down, right? Or he'd, he'd basically, he'd come down and watch the Jackie Palo wrestling, catch the football results, go up, do another hour in the garage, basically finish off what he had to do, leave the pumps were running when attending on it, sometimes me in the uh, later years. And up to Wilson's, I'd buy a brown paper bag of sweets, right? And my sister and I'd be like that, going, Dad's got the bags here. And he used to come into the room, and we had a, it was a great big green chair in the living room. And he used to put this bag of sweets down next to the chair. And there was a, there was a sewing box, you know, it was like a little walnut box, a wee lid. But it was kind of about yawn height, you know? Open lid, put them in there, right? We always knew they were in there, right? And, but, the only way, it's like my dad would be like, you know, aye, fancy some chocolate, kids, right? Who's going to rub my head? Right? And we had to rub his head, right? And, and then if we rubbed his head, we got some chocolate. He was loved fries, cream and stuff. We still do that. But we used to watch the movies and it's like, if you rub dad's head, you get chocolate. <laughs> Doesn't sound right at all, but, but you always knew, right, that the brown bag of sweeties was in the wee box at the side of my dad's chair. And sometimes he wouldn't eat, and he'd buy about seven or eight bars of these things, and there'd always be, you'd always know there'd be one or two in, so sometimes on a Sunday you'd go down there and nick a bar of chocolate. He always knew. But in latter years, with my dad for Christmas, right, we never knew what to get him, and he stopped smoking, so we couldn't buy him Benson and Edges anymore. <laughs> so we used to buy him wagon wheels, and we used to buy him like a box of 48 wagon wheels. Wagon wheels and Tunnock's caramel wafers, right? And marshmallows, Tunnock's marshmallows, right? And that's what he got for his Christmas. And like Tara would buy him wagon wheels and I'd buy him a bunch of caramel wafers and things. <laughs> and he'd just have all this chocolate. But my dad, he, he never really put on weight at all for all the chocolate that he ate. But he had a really, really big sweet tooth. And my mum always said, oh, it's your dad, it's your dad, right? But now, right, we go down the town and we're buying milk, chocolate digestive biscuits. My mum started off in rich teas, right? And she moved on to milk chocolate digestives. And she's, she's in denial. She goes into denial, because you come through and go, Mum, uh, you need anything? Oh, I need some, some digestive. Have you got any chocolate digestives? <laughs> I go, Mum, I just bought you a family pack about a week ago. And I said, no, no. <laughs> 
and she loves it. And she has chocolate digestive biscuits, but we're 11 o'clock, and then, then sometimes for lunch and stuff. And like, we have to ration her now, right? But so Mother's Day, it's not going to be flowers, right? But I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a big box of chocolates. That's what my mum gets. And then, <laughs> I never eat all that. <laughs> Great. A bar six, Gary Lundis, a bar six. That was the, the the crispy wafer chocolate, wasn't it? A bar six, it was kind of, it was a bit like a blue ribbon, blue ribbon, I think. But it was a harder, right? Yeah. <laughs> Snoopers, Bern Hunter. Steve Bizet, a white chocolate Toblerone, right? There's the thing, right? Not my favourite. I like I like the dark chocolate one. Simona loves you love Toblerones, don't you? What? Huh? Toblerones. I love yeah Toblerone. The one in the white uh, not not the white white one that was the little honey bits. Yeah. Right and I love Kinder Schokolade and Smarties. And Mocherie and After Eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, I used to when I, I used to go out when we we were starting going out in the early in the early part. We started going out in 2011, and I was flying over in 2012. I used to bring I, I used to bring tins uh, of fudge like that had the Bruins on them or Ur Willy, and you could buy them at Edinburgh Airport. And every time I went across, I flew across to Frankfurt to get the train down to Karlsruhe. I used to bung them in my bag, and I used to get fudge and and tablet. And of course, Liam and Mona and Tara, Simona's kids. I'd never had fudge and tablet. And I gave, gave them the, I was like, oh! And they, t they had to tell me to stop bringing the, st please Derek, don't bring any more down, please. We, we don't, we're not eating it. And of course I kept bringing it down because they didn't eat it. But it would just be a matter of like, I'd be there for three days and we'd be watching <laughs> something in the lap. Oh, there's a, there's a brins. <laughs> but my missus, Simona, I used to take her across the big, you know, the big Toblerones, the big ones that you buy at the airport. You know, the ones, if you put them in the fridge, right, and if you if you weren't careful, right, with those big Toblerones, and you go and you put them in your mouth and you take your front teeth out, right? Uh, da -da -da -da. <coughs> Dave Hardy, don't get that one. Jenny Pond, no, 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 not pink chocolate digestives. It has to be dark chocolate with a sweetness. Dark chocolate milk digestives. Now there's the thing, right? But the bit where you put them in the tea and then they break off and then you end with a sludge in the bottom that you catch and, oh, nah. Chocolate digestives with caramel in the middle. No. Owen Boyle, millionaire shortcake. Yep, that's a good thing. You see the cost of that? When, you, when you're going through, it's a uh, Starbucks or the, the the big coffee shops, and you go in and they've got these cakes and things. And you know, when we were on the tour bus, you know, back in the old epoch when we used to do touring, right? And you'd pull up at Starbucks and you'd be on the tour bus or, or in, the, in the van, right? And you'd be look, and you go up and you go have a cup of coffee and you look at, it, and then there's like the millionaire shortcake, and there's another one that you buy in there that's really really evil, and. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's mental stuff, you know? Fruit and nut Toblerone awesome, Scott Sevington. Uh, 
James Fraser. Oh no, I've got to, I've got to go down again. John Watson. We all like our chocolate. Mint Cracknell. Deborah Scrobro. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, oh, Stephen Waldron. When you're feeling peckish, pick up a penguin. But this is weird because Cadbury's, right, which used to be in York, right, uh, it's now in, it's all made in Poland, right? So, so, so now with Brexit, uh, Cadbury's chocolate is now becoming an import from the EU, which is like something quite wrong about all that. J-Mark Stevens, my dad used to bring home the army tin of sweets with Silberts. Oh, no. Glenn Feasy, did you like Curly Whirlies? <laughs> Curly Whirly. You just wanted to be here as you... Curly Whirlies. Yep. Curly Whirly. We had this in Germany when I was little, and they were called Leckerschmecker. <laughs> I loved those. Yeah. They're called what? Lekashmeka. 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 Curly Whirlies. Yeah, they are kind of, they're like curly, curly Whirlies. They're like what? They're see, like, see, yeah. I can see, I can see Lekashmeka. Can you see Curly Whirlies? See Lekashmeka again. Lekashmeka. 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 Okay, see Curly Whirly. Curly Whirly. Uh, curly Whirly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's Curly Whirlies. It's like, they've, it's, they've shrunk. Right, it was, um, it's like, I remember, they're, they're, when Curly Whirlies came out, I used to love them, they were absolutely evil, you know, and uh, and they were like, they were about yon size, a Curly Whirly, they're now about that size, right, and there's less chocolate on them, it's the same in everything, they've just, it's like those packs. I saw another thing, oh, Skittles, I like Skittles, the, 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 um, the, the fruity Skittles, and, um, but it's like big bags about three quid. They're getting really, really expensive, right? <laughs> Jim Hedra, everyone can talk chocolate. Oh my, I need to take you through. Right. Let's move on. Right. I'm going to go through. I don't have the, the, the I don't have the, the the feed up there, so I'm going to have to take you through and just talk to you. I said do anyway without reading the timeline. As I said, Steve Vances is. Um, Putting together the mixes, uh, Aberdeen. We've got a load of multi-track gigs, which means that we can play about with them, right? And, um... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, there's another Liberian thing. That's Laurie Riley and Eddie Turnbull's signature, two of the, the, the famous five. Both sadly gone now. But, um... Who's, uh... Like I said, Steve Ansis, we've, we've got all these multi-tracks from 18. We've been meaning to do this for a while. And the whole 18 live material got kind of knocked back because we were dealing with Velchmans and um, we had to kind of sort all that out. And um, so it's only now we're able to kind of deal with it. So this year, because at the moment, you know, we, we don't know what's happening. I repeat, repeat, repeat. So... Steve's taking this opportunity to start looking at, at the, the gigs. And one of the gigs that's kind of popped up was Glasgow. And I've always wanted to try and get a, a, a Glasgow recording. And um, and we have, it seems. So I'm going to play you a wee bit. Uh, this is Little Man What Now, right? Let me get this. Uh, um, this is 
a rough mix. It's not mastered, so it's not been EQ'd properly or anything like that. This is just a rough mix of the, um, the Little Man What Now from Glasgow ABC at the end of the 2018 tour, right? Here we go. It's on the little speakers, so these aren't the kefs, right? Because, as I said, I was panicking before the show because I put the discs in and it's supposed to recall... Uh, normally, when I was doing the whole Velschmerz album, I was kind of, you know, burning discs through here and taking them through and, and playing them on the kefs. And for some reason, it's decided it's not going to play them. I think it might have something to do with MP3 format or... I don't know. It's tech, right? And I panic. You know, it's, it's like when I get on a PC and, and it comes up, burn this, did and I move this, did and I press this, do that, load up. And uh, I didn't manage to get it. So that's why we're through here in the control room or the out-of-control room, as Steve and I know it. And this is Little Man What Now from Glasgow in 2018. Down, down. Humbled by the 
And that was the first time I heard it. That was the first time I heard that one. It sounds pretty good. That's a, so, Steve, if you're watching, it sounded pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, it's a, this is this is the old partner desk, baby. I should have showed you this, right? It's um. That was um. I've had this desk since. Uh, God, when did I get this desk? Nineteen. 1989, I think, 1990. And, uh, yeah, 90, I bought this in 1990, right? So this has been the desk that I've been working on. It's a partner desk. And that is uh, history. <laughs> That's red wine. It's, um, that was a red a red wine spill, uh, which I think took out the keyboard uh, and the mouse, killed the mouse, killed the keyboard. And uh, I was too late, but I think it was a, a, a drunken night in the out-of-control room. <laughs> writing lyrics at probably three in the morning going like yeah it's great typing away oh bollocks <laughs> so um yeah so this is my desk it's a mess right but some um, yeah it's uh this is a, a, a desk of history this one it's um just gonna learn this again this is my room and you can see that's kind of collection i kind of i love clutter it's um i've always been in a loads of little things that kind of mean stuff and things like there's a plaque i got from thames valley police right because i got involved in a a charity single for them and help promote stuff that's my dad's old aa badge right and that's actually from east africa Right, it's an East African AA badge. Right, a Kos. Right, loads of bits and pieces of stuff here. Shell heads, an old passport. Get that lot. Trolls. I think I showed you this before, but you probably miss it. But like that, that I got to get right is the original gun. That was used to uh, that Doc used on Brother Fifty Two, and it's actually written on it, Fifty Two Bro. You see it, and that's an original tattoo gun that Doc gave me way back the last time I saw him. And trolls, I love this photograph. Right, it's me, my dad, and Tara before we went to Easter Road one time. And uh, in fact, we might have been going to to, to Hamden to the semi-final that we lost. And um, yeah, there's loads of stuff in here. Just oh, look at this one. I've got very few of these, right? But that is um, oh, I hate this stuff. I've got it right. Ah, ta ta ta. Where is it? That's me and Roger Chapman. Where is it? That's me and Roger Chapman from Family. And we did a gig together. And that's way back in, I think it's 1984. And I did this terrible thing. It was like, we would we were both asked to do the, like a little press conference thing. And I'd never met Roger before, right? And <laughs> I'd never met Roger before. And I was really nervous because Roger is like one of the all-time singers, great singers. I mean, he is a fantastic singer. And um, 
So I'm down there at the, at the stadium, right, to do the press conference. And I'm remembering about Roger Chapman and the family album, which is called Bandstand, which has got bur um, uh, burlesque on it, you know. Rolling and tumbling and dumb and all. I guess that just means you and me. Ba -na 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 -na. Ba -na 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 I'm just about dressed. I'm leaving burlesque. That song I was going to do in Songs from the Mirror, but it was just so difficult to get the groove of it. But anyway, I digress. And the thing was, in the common room at Dalkeith High School, when I was in kind of fifth and sixth year, right, we had a record deck in there and we used to bring in albums. But the one album that was always there was Bandstand by Family, right? And I loved that song, right? And it was in my head when I met him, right? And it was like... <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to be really cool, you know, hi, Roger, please meet you, like, you know, fish, yeah. And he goes, he's going, yeah, man, good, good, yeah, no. And we're sitting talking away and stuff, and then and somebody said, uh, uh, we're going to do a photo call now, so we're going to go down by the goalposts in the stadium where we were playing. And I went, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So Roger and I are walking down to the goalposts, right? And I'd been avoiding saying anything about, you know, bandstand or anything like that, right? And I'm walking down with Roger next to me and I started going, da 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 bam. And he looked, he looked at me like that. And I went, look, I'm really sorry about that. I said, but we used to play that when I was uh, 18 and, and, you know, when I was at school. <laughs> Coolness out the window. Right? And I, did, I must have made them feel really old, as people do to me sometimes. Oh, I used to listen to you at school, right? <laughs> oh, God, sorry. Uh, uh, Sylvia Vice, it's not clear, it's a house that lives, not a showroom. Yeah, I just, I, I, it's nothing valuable we've, we've got. All this stuff that we've got is all your bits and pieces. It's like Simona's owls and things. They're all little special things and they all mean things. It's like every time I went away on, on, on holiday to places, right? You know, um, I picked up stuff. You know, I always picked up just little things and bits and pieces. And they, they're all dotted around the house and I love them, you know? And so, uh... Carola Sperling, hello from Germany. Julian Gibbs, memories, yep. Kenny Tate, the great thing about clutter is it evokes so many memories. It does, and that's that's kind of what I like about it. There's there's one th there's one thing that I've got right, and I I don't know, I cannot remember for the life of me who gave me this right, but this was given to me. I think it was on, it could have been on the script tour right, and I was given this, and it's it was it stayed, but I love it right. There's a couple of things up here right. That jester. Okay, don't comment on the cobwebs, right? Because you'll just make us... I don't know, I've got to get this right. It's the mirror image. It just does my nothing. Well, the image, normal. Right, there we go. That jester, right? It's a clay jester. And it's got loads of bits broken in the cocade and stuff and things. And I was given that way back in kind of... Um, like I said, on the script too, and I kept it all that time, and it came with me all the way. Through. It was in Aylesbury, and everything. But it's uh, it's brilliant, and it's probably one of my oldest things. And the two penguins up there, that's Hugh. I call them Hughie and Dewey. 
And I stole them back from a backstage from a, a, a festival, an indoor festival in Geneva called the, what was it called, the Fête de Soir or something? And they used to get these kind of Swiss guys in and they decorate the whole backstage area with paper mache stuff and I nicked them. <laughs> and I, br I brought them back. I actually I stole them from the backstage area and I did say, I said, I'm going to nick them. And I did. And I brought them all the way back in the, on the plane. <laughs> Two paper mache penguins, right? And that, that is the, you might be able to get and see up there. I can't see the whole thing. But that was, uh, Mark Wilkinson did that. That was, that was in the, the, the stage set for, for Yin and Yang. And uh, kept the, the, the whole thing going and stuff. And um, I said, we found a place to hang it in the house. And then... <laughs> It's hard to get this right. Come on. That's a paper mashy dog. It's like all these stupid things that I pick up and stuff. It's like, you know, the paper mashy dog and Huey and Dree, the paper mashy penguins. The dog and the penguins actually came from, I think, two separate fe fe fest de espoir. Right? <laughs> it is a, the other thing that I nicked, right? One thing I did was, <laughs> I was on a tour, I can't remember which one it was. And it must have been about, I was, I was in here. So it could have been on Fellini days or maybe after. And we were in Germany somewhere. <laughs> and uh, we went to a nightclub and uh, it was a really strange nightclub. And we walked in the door and they had one of those great big kind of fiberglass wares. You see them outside restaurants, especially in Germany and stuff. And they're like, a, it's like a maitre d'. And what, it's a fiberglass thing and he's all dressed up and he's got the, the costume on and he's like, right? And basically the, what happens is it should be holding out a menu. So when you walk into the restaurant or outside on the street, you got this fiberglass ware and it was about yon height. It was quite big, right? In fact, it was a bit high. <laughs> and, uh, and I was very, very drunk. Right? And I walked in, there was these two massive bouncers standing there, right? And I looked at this thing. And I went, oh, it's brilliant, right? <laughs> and I walked up to these bouncers and I said, I said, I'm just telling you right now, I said, I'm going to nick that, right? <laughs> I'm going to nick that later. And they're going... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna like that. And we went in and we had a bunch of caperinos or whatever we were drinking at the time in quantity, right? And as we walked out the door, I just walked straight past, picked up the picked up the the, the waiter, and just walked straight out the, the nightclub door with the, and the princess just looked at me and just went, "Did we really just see that?" <laughs> I walked in with this massive butler, and Yatta went mental. He said, "That's not coming on the bus," right? And I said, "It is." I want, I'm going to take it home, right? Stephen, <laughs> this huge fiberglass ware. <coughs> and I brought it back here and it was in the studio for ages. And, uh, <laughs> and it was in the studio for ages. It used to stand in the corner like that. It looked really cool, right? Next to the, next to the paper mache penguins and everything. It was really cool. And um, 
and <laughs> and it came all the way back in the bus, we, the, the the bus configuration in a downstairs lounge, right? So um, and you went in the back door into a little lounge, and then went up the stairs to where the bunks were. So it was like it was like a back lounge, but downstairs. It was a strange config, right? But that's where the the butler was, and he was tied up in the corner. But he was standing there. So every time the bus door opened when you were getting on it, the, the way it was going, yeah. And of course, we had our laughs with it. I'm not going any further, but anyway, it came back here to this the studio, and it stood in the corner, and Tara came across. My daughter Tara was was, was staying here, <laughs> and she was. Teenager, right? And she had a party in the house. I knew because I came back and the, the, the bins were full of cans, right? Right? And I'm looking about and it was like, you know, what's going on? And she was really, really nervous. And about a week later, a week and a half later, I was kind of cleaning up the, the, the studio and I was doing, I was kind of vacuuming or whatever. And I knocked this waiter, the, the fiberglass mate ready, right? And he just fell apart, right? And I was, what? Right? And basically, when they did the party, somebody had knocked the bloody waiter over, right? And Tara was so terrified that her and all her mates got all the bits and they glued them all together <laughs> with the wrong glue. And it was basically standing there like that, you know, just about to fall apart. And it just crumbled in front of me. I went mental. Tara was like, you know, like, I'm really sorry, Dad, I'm really sorry. I didn't want to tell you, didn't I? I tell you, we broke the waiter. So. But it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. No. Ah. Oh, my knee. But yeah. But so, um, yeah, stuff. I just collect stuff. And, um, but, but it's interesting just because I've never, you know, I used to have, when I travelled about, in the, before I had my first days in Aylesbury, I used to have these two big um, uh, tea chests right and they were, it was like plywood or something and that was what all my stuff went in everything i had was in these two giant tea boxes they used to get humped about and, and move from place to place or, or they were stuck in the the marillion cage down at noma studios when i didn't have anywhere to live and i was sleeping on couches and you know blah 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 you know <coughs> andy challenge yes yeah, silent running huey and g uh <laughs> Jim Edra, I bet there's still some traffic going in the garage. No, there's other stuff. Oh, I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you about that another time, but my helping still piano. I actually wrote to the guy that invented the helping still piano and I was trying to find some information out of it and I just took a shot at the uh, his website and he got back to me and answered me, right, and wrote me this letter, but I'll explain that in another programme. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Mitchell, great film. Bruce Dern, great actor. I love Bruce Dern's stuff. Right? <laughs> so you stole two penguins from Geneva. I think I'll be phoning the police. Ayrton <laughs> <in> Senna. <laughs> Pick up a penguin. I did. Two of them. Uh, uh. Oh, I'm a geezer. I'm a bit wash, a bit way, very fast. Show. It was. I've done that so many times. And it's it's like sometimes when you just you're just completely outrageous, and you just people just don't expect you to do it. It's like those two bounces; they just did not expect me to actually nick the butler. That's what I called it, the butler, right? And uh, it's, uh... <laughs> it burned on a takeaway. Yeah, Tony Evans, hello from Australia. 
Michael Forshaw, thank you. <laughs> Katie Tate, remind me next time you visit the restaurant to check the cutlery is still there. F funnily enough, right? Oh, I've got to show you this. It's brilliant. It's a family thing, right? It's 20 past nine o'clock, cheers. My granddad, well, he did the same thing. I'll tell you stories about my granddad or right? And uh, I got this, right? It's really tarnished and all the rest of it, right? But this, this was kicking about in the house and I somehow ended up, my dad, my dad gave it to me, right? And my, it's got, the Grand Restaurant, is it? Yeah. The Grand Restaurant in Edinburgh, right? You see that? Grand Restaurant in Edinburgh. And my granddad nicked out a restaurant. <laughs> I'm not a thief by nature at all, but it's like, and, and my granddad, I don't think was either. <laughs> but he walked out with this, it's not silver. It's basically, it's it's. It needs to be sorted out and, and, and replated or whatever it is. But yeah, my granddad nicked it. And this was an old, um, it was from a, a, an old hotel that used to be in, uh, in Princess Street years and years and years ago. It's now defunct, right? So, so. but yeah, nicking stuff. Uh, <laughs> is it, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there's a true story. It was, I think that he was from Wales. And I'm trying to think who he's a roadie for. But anyway, I'm sure I, I'm sure I told you the story. But it was, um, he was a roadie and they were on American tours forever. And, uh, and what he did was he just nicked loads of things for Holiday Inns. Because, I mean, when you, when you used to play America, you always used to stay in Holiday Inns. That was like... There, there, was, there were like um, holiday bins, as we used to call them. Um, they were they were like travel lodges, you know. That's they were they were cheap. You knew what you were getting. They were clean. They were comfortable, and that's where you always stayed in, on American tours. And he nicked shower curtains. He nicked uh, bedding. He nicked uh, door signs. He nicked handles, and he brought all this stuff back. And he sent it back in the post and everything. And what happened was that when he arrived home, right. He basically had, right, just about an exact copy of, of a Holiday Inn. And he designed a room, a bedroom in his house, right? He designed a bedroom in his house and it was an exact facsimile of an American Holiday Inn room, right? So when he came back off tour, he went into that room and stayed there for two weeks so he could kind of acclimatise before he kind of got back to like normality again. And I know, right, when... Um, when... Uh, I know when, when I went out on tour on, on, on I, think it, I think it was on, uh, it was the first time I went out and it must have been the Fugazi tour actually. And uh, I was down in a, a, a hotel and it could, have been a, a, it could have been a bin as well, down in, uh, down in the South England somewhere. And um, I nicked an entire cutlery set. Because I didn't have anything, I didn't have any, any crockery, right? So what I did was I went round and I <laughs> took all the stuff off, all the, all the trays for the, 
all the trays that had been left outside for um, uh, that had been done that were room service trays that had been left outside to be cleared up. I went and I nicked cups and plates and side plates and soup bowls, cleaned them all up, put them in my suitcase. Ching 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 ching. <laughs> went back to Albert Street in Aylesbury. Well, well, like crockery set for one. <laughs> Shh, you didn't see me, like. Uh. Uh. Anyway. Let's move into it. It was great news. It was it was all kind of sorted out last, really last Friday, just before I came on air. It had kind of been agree, agreed, but I hadn't kind of completely signed off on it. And uh, it's been taking years. As I said, we'd been kind of negotiating, been off and on since May 15. But I finally signed off on the, the license for the Vigil album, which was brilliant. And um, it was such a great feeling um, to finally get it all agreed. The Warners were great about it. And Kathy, if you're watching, thank you that you're watching. <laughs> thank you. And, um, and Simon Law, my lawyer, did a great job, you know. And finally, I've got the rights to Vigil. And we've got a... <clears throat> I've got a proposed release date of... Well, not a date, a release month, because, you know... We're independent. We kind of move a lot, shift. So um, basically, uh, we're looking at Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors and Internal XL coming out October, November time, if we can get it together. Um, I've got to find the half-inch tapes. I cannot... I'm not going to remix it. John Kelly's mix was great, but what I'm trying to do is... Um, I want to find the, the the master tapes, which I've got through there. They're in, in the cupboards and they're all kind of looked after and filed. And I'm going to get the, the original kind of, um, uh, it's, it's a half-inch tapes. And um, I've got to get them baked and get them transferred to digital so that when Callum Malcolm does the remastering, he's working from the original um, the original tapes. And the same were Internal Excel, Chris Kimsey's uh, original masters that were sent away. And um, and I have to get that sorted out so that we're working from source material. And uh, and it's quite exciting. Um, there's a lot to be done. Um, you know, Dave Barris and Scott Mackay, uh, we filmed an interview for Vigil when we thought we were going to get it about two years ago. But we already know that we're going to have to completely revamp that. And, and, and there's been things happened. I mean, it was funny, I was... I did an interview uh, this week with Steve Blame, who used to work on MTV and Viva 2, who lives in Köln in Germany. And um, he's now, funnily enough, a screenplay writer. But he also does these podcasts and things, and he, he won an award uh, last year for one. And I've, we've done a, a podcast on it's, it's, uh, historical figures in music, which is what I am now. <laughs> I'm now an officially a historical figure. Uh, and um, so it's... Uh, so I was talking with Steve Blame and he pointed me at this, this interview that I did with him for MTV. And it was really interesting because I hadn't seen it. It was from 1988, which was, it must have been round about the time when I was kind of contemplating leaving Marillion, when I wasn't in a happy situation. And it was an interesting interview to watch. You can find it. It's, it's called, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, can't remember. Anyway, 
But if you go if you go fishing of you nineteen eighty eight and it's it's said to be Channel Four, but it's not a Channel Four interview. It's a, it's an MTV interview, and um, when MTV used to, used to be interested in the likes of me, right? And um, but it was really interesting because I was talking about um, screenplay writing and books and. Basically, what I was doing was I was talking about my career outside Marillion, and I didn't realise at the time it was only a matter of months before I was outside Marillion. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting interview to watch. And, you know, sometimes I find it kind of... I find it interesting to see how I used to think back then. You know, I mean, my thoughts change and your attitude changes and life experience takes you on and, and you know, you have... You know, your values change and um, your attitude changes and things. So it was it was great to see me back in '88 doing this quite a, a natural interview, and um, and what I was discussing then and and and, and putting it in place with where I am now. And uh, you know, I was talking about acting and things, and it was uh, it was interesting to see somebody with hair. Right? Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to move through, right? Because, as expected, Vigil topped the topped the, the five chart this week, and uh, and I thought it was appropriate. You know, that's why I put up the five songs from Vigil because it's like you know we got it back. We, we're going to get this remastering done. There's a lot of material. I've got a lot of demos from that time. I mean, a lot of the original demos that I did before, you know, um, before I actually signed as a solo artist. So. Uh, they were the demos that I actually did for Hit and Run for my music publishing contract, and uh, they were all they were all recorded. Uh, basically, most of them were recorded up here, and uh, I think there's even there's even a very early vigil where, where Mickey and I on it, and um, Mickey Simmons, if you're watching, which you're probably not, oh, you're getting better. Um, uh, Mickey is probably knows got COVID, and uh, but it's, from what I hear, he's 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 coming out okay. Um, but I mean, having the Vigil album back for, you know, under license for, for three years gives me a chance to put a really good deluxe thing out. It'll most probably be a Blu-ray because there'll be quite a lot of bits and pieces. Well, I've got loads of footage uh, that Dave Barris and has been kind of incorporating in the, the documentary and we're going to try and root out some more. Uh, like loads of footage that I took on the Highlands and Islands tour, you know, on the kind of when State of Mind came out. And a lot of stuff that came out after. So we're, we're going to really put an effort into making the Vigil Deluxe a great one. And likewise with Internal, there was um, a lot of a lot of eight millimeter footage shot back then. The Vigil stuff's really interesting because it's when I actually moved into the house, and then you see what this place, what the studio looked like before it became the studio when it was the original rehearsal room. But Vigil was like Vigil. I can remember. You know, I came up with the lyrics for Vigil. Uh, again, 88-ish, early 88. And that whole first section, listen to me, just hear me out. If I could have your attention, just quieten down for a voice in the crowd. I remember going to, I think it was Peter Wavis' garage, and the band were all kind of rehearsing in the garage. It was hot, and... So it must have been kind of June, July of 88. And 
the garage door was open, the band were all in there, and they were all playing away, and I went up to deal with it all. And I brought in the vigil lyric, and they played me a bunch of stuff that they'd been working on, and I'm like going, what do I do with this? And I went, wait a minute, I've got this idea, it's the start of a song, and I actually kind of sang the first part of Vigil, the, the, the opening section of Vigil, I sang it and they went, nah, right? And that was, it was one of those moments where I went, this ain't gonna be going on much longer. And, um, and I kept it. And when I went back to, to when I was speaking to Mickey, I mean, Mickey and I started working Gerald's Cross on the help and still piano, that'll tell you about another day. And I might even get it out. Uh, well, not out in the neck, but it's going to take me a bit to get it out because it's all behind a bunch of things in the garage. But it was the original Helping Still Piano that Mickey sold me for 400 quid, right? He says, Mickey, uh, do you want to watch together? He goes, yeah, I've got a piano. You want to buy it? <laughs> so, well, I Helping Still Piano, and that was what we had in the front room at Gerrard's Cross, where, down in uh, Daleside. And that was what Mickey played, and that was where we wrote a lot of the material. And that helping still piano came back here. And it was in the original rehearsal room. And that was the piano that, you know, a lot of the stuff was written on. But I remember in particular Gerard's Cross and it being in front of these massive big sliding doors, windows that went out of the garden and Mickey playing away and, and us coming together with all these tunes. And then I sat down with, 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 with Mickey and, and, you know, we, we put it all together. And it was there. Uh, That's it. John Morrissey, well done. Um, and Vigil kind of came to be, and it was, it was interesting. I, what I love is, like, before I do the programmes, you know, before I do a Fish and Friday, you know, I'll kind of do a wee bit of kind of moping about, looking about and seeing what happens. And I found something to do I didn't even know about. Right. Anyway, where is it? Uh, right. Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors, or Wilderness of Mirrors, right? I came across Wilderness of Mirrors as it related, it was in a, a spy book and, and it was referred to, <clears throat> um, it was a guy called James Jesus Angleton, right? And, um, and while I was doing the research today, I found out it wasn't actually his phrase that was coined. And it actually, it, it's, what's this? It came from a poem by T.S. Eliot called uh, Gerontion. And it goes, Gerontion is a poem by T.S. Eliot that was first published in 1920, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the title is Greek for Little Old Man, right? And the poem is a dramatic monologue relating the opinions and impressions of an elderly man which describes Europe after World War I through the eyes of a man who has lived the majority of his life in the 19th century. Two years after it was published, Eliot considered including the poem as a preface to The Wasteland, but was talked out of it by Ezra Pound, right? And, um, and it's, this is great, this is on Wikipedia. I'm quite proud of this, actually. The phrase wilderness of mirrors from the poem has been alluded to by many other writers and artists. It has been used as the titles of plays by Van Badham and Charles Everard, of novels by Max Frisch, and of albums by bands such as Wasted, rock singer Fish entitled his first solo album, Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors. Some commentators believe that James Jesus Angleton took the phrase from this poem when he described the confusion and strange loops of espionage and counterintelligence, such as the double cross system, as a wilderness of mirrors. 
It thence entered and has since become commonplace in the vocabulary of writers of spy novels or of popular historical writing about espionage. It was the title of an episode of the television series Jag, where the protagonist is subjected, subjected to disinformation. Right? And James Jesus Angleton, right, right, uh, 1917, died in 1987. Uh, <clears throat> he was chief of CIA counterintelligence from 1954 to 1975. His official position within the organisation was Associate Deputy Director of Operations for Counterintelligence. Angleton was significantly involved in the US response to the purported KGB defectors uh, blah, blah, blah. Angleton later became convinced the CIA harboured a high-ranking mole and engaged in an intensive search. Um, <clears throat> I came across it through, like I said, a spy book. And what it was, um, the, the Wilderness of Mirrors was about how um, uh, there were so many, dur during that period in kind of 60s, 70s, there were so many R Russians defecting across to uh, America, right? And the KGB got so worried about it that there were, so, there were so many defectors that what they decided to do was plant their own guys across, across in uh, America. So what they had was people coming out and telling, telling, telling the truth. And they would send out people and they would disseminate lies, bits of truth, bits of lies, all mishmash, so that the Americans never knew what to believe. And the Americans started doing the same to the Russians. And basically, there was all these all these lies, all this bullshit. Nobody knew what any whatever, nobody knew who anybody really was and who they were really working for. And that became known as uh, there was that period was called the wilderness of mirrors because nobody knew who was who, right? And when I read that, I kind of identified with it, and it was um, it became quite a personal lyric about where I was with Marillion at that time and where I was <clears throat> with people and advisors and people that I talked to about my feelings and what I was thinking and my state of mind at that time. And I never knew whether I could trust these people or not or whether I was just being used or whether I was being manipulated or not. And I felt like that both within the band framework, I don't mean the guys, the, the four guys, but I didn't trust people, right? And I felt that I was being bent, and that was kind of where it was. And I, I, I tied, tried it all around, and and, and you know, I, I kind of tied it up in in this lyric that was about mistrust, and and at the same time, you want the truth to be heard, and the truth is what you hold on to as being the dearest. Right? And it's interesting now when, you know, you look at, you know, what, how we deal with things now, you look at the general media and what's been said, and especially when it comes down to the internet and the conspiracy theories and everything else that's bouncing around about everything from COVID to politics to, like, you know, votes to everything else. And it became a... a it stood the test of time. I think the lyric... What the lyric is, is on about has really stood the test of time. And I think probably it could be even termed as being more valid now than it even was back then when, when I wrote the damn lyric. And, um, and it, was a, it was a very, very personal song about really where I was in my head at that time. You know, it was, it was a complete... 
outpouring of feeling of frustration, you know, I mean, how I felt at the tail end of, of being in the band and, and, and feeling lonely. I mean, um, I said before that, you know, I felt that the gang mentality had gone and I felt alone. And um, it was a really strange situation to be in, you know, being the person that I was, being the name that I was, with the success that I had, it was it was a kind of it fed this this whole lyric and um, and I love the song. <clears throat> John Kelly done an absolutely a fantastic piece of work on the on the recording of it. And you know when Frank and I were down living in London at the time, you know I have fond memories of this happening. It's interesting because when I heard it this afternoon, because obviously I had to check the tech and I wanted to make sure the CD wasn't going to jump right. And, um, you know, when I heard it today, it was like, you know, it, it's quite speedy. It's a, it's a lot faster than, you know, where it became as in, in the years it transpired. And one of the things with the Vigil Remaster, there are so many versions of this song. I mean, even down to uh, the, the, the Fish Heads Club tour acoustic version, which was really poignant. And um, it was the drama even in the acoustic stripped down version when it was just Foz Frank and I, you know, it used to pin the room, pin it, you know? And again, it just got into that groove. So without further ado, I'm gonna set up. Oh, oh, you can hear the cracks from there. This better work. Nice and easy because it's track one. Ha! Oh. Remote. I'm getting good at this now. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. It's Murphy's Law. So, let's dim the lights and get in the mood. It's, it's funny, it's like this, you know, when we heard the playback of this song as well. When it was when it was all fully recorded, it was really special, and um, I still get emotional about this. So, if I can uh, have a moment, I'm sure you will forgive me. Let's see if I've got this right. <laughs> I'm going to drop this. Go and get you right in the mood for this one. There we go. There you are. Right. I think we're all ready for it now. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Fish, the title of his first sort of album. This is called Vigil in a Wilderness of Murder.
stood and stared at the hill and the hill stared back. Yeah. It's funny, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward, if we, we can get this half-inch baked, uh, the half-inch master baked, and we can get everything sorted out on this, it's going to sound astounding. Um, I forgot about it. It's, it's Davy Spillane was playing Ullian Pipes on that. And um, a great, a great player that we were really l lucky to get involved and uh, it's a brilliant rhythm section. I mean, uh, you had Mark Brzezinski on, on drums and uh, that, that, that military stuff that he does in the middle that we wanted. We wanted to have that kind of feel that it was like there was a march going on, that, you know, this is it, this is us rising. And yeah, there is a, a big Scottish vibe in it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, this was... I was kind of going through a rebirthing, I think, in 
88 because you know we'd been up to we'd been into Dalnaglar Castle and uh, you know we were trying to get stuff together up there and um, and like I said that was when I, I came back to Scotland and I was I was up here for you know I was immersed back in in Scotland again which was I'm really glad we did it I mean you know think things are meant to happen you know I think you know coming back to Dalnaglar and stuff it was like coming up to Scotland and then, you know, and that propelled, you know, the, the move, you know, back up here to, to the farm to, and, and getting the studio together. It was all part of it. And, you know, there was a lot of Scots involved in that album. I mean, Mark Bajetsky, I mean, he might have, he might have had a Polish father, but I mean, he'd be a big country and he'd be around Scots for a long time. And, and John Giblin, the bass player, uh, who worked with John Martin and uh, who'd also worked with, uh, John Martin, Frank Usher's, you know, John was, Frank Usher was John's favourite guitarist. Or, or, yeah. And, um, and John Giblin did a great job. And John, John knew John Kelly from, because he played Kate Bush and, and uh, <clears throat> he did a lot of work with, with John Kelly. But I mean, and I've not, I've not spoken to John Giblin for a very, very, very long time. But he was a brilliant bass guitarist. But David Spillane's Julian Pipes just lent it something. I, I, you know, yeah. I think it was, you know, I was kind of, you know, when you, when you hear that lyric now, well, what I explained to you about, you know, the fact that a lot of that lyric was 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 written kind of before I left the band, you know, and you know when you, when you take it, when you look at it, you take the perspective on it from my position back then of being in that band and and not knowing where to go and and being. Disjointed from them all, um, you can kind of understand a lot more about kind of where it was born. Um, Frank Usher did a great job on 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 the guitars on on, on this, and and Mickey as well. I mean, Mickey did a, a fantastic job. I wish Mickey had hung about for a lot longer. I mean, I think if Mickey hadn't dived off uh, after the Internal XL tour, if he'd kind of stayed with me, it might have been a different story. And I think. You know, but um, Mickey didn't want a tour. You know, he had personal reasons for not wanting a tour, and um, and I respected that. But at the same time, it's like he dived off and 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 followed another route, another journey. Because I think, you know, I think you know when, especially after Polydor, when when the Polydor thing was was going down. Uh, anyway, let's not get into that. So. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of that, you know, and, and, and as people have noted, it's like it's been the first song off the first solo album. It was, a, it was a statement and a half. The voice, I mean, you know, I listen to it now. I mean, you, as I said, if you listen to the, like, you know, it, it's a bit fast now. It, it doesn't really, the groove, the groove kind of changed a little bit. You know, it sits now. And um, especially the first section. But I think that's just, you know, I was singing in Marillion and I think, you know, my approach to singing changed a lot you know after that period I mean I was kind of coming out of it and and again the attitude to recording kind of changed as well which was uh yeah and yeah Carl, Carol Lauritz Olsen yeah it's very melodic I mean you've got to remember I mean you know it was if you look on Clutching at Straws Clutching at Straws was kind of a bit of a watershed album and and both of us went into writing songs after that. I think on Season's End, there's a lot of songs, you know, Easter, which is a brilliant song. Um, uh, you know, 
it was it was funny. I mean, I think seeing this now, I mean, it's easy to see this now. You know, if we'd actually taken the break, and if we'd actually rather than try and run into that album following up Clutching at Straws, if we'd actually taken a step back from each other and from the road and had some space. And I think if you think about Bob Ezrin as a producer, having done The Wall and being Alice Cooper's main producer as well. And if you think about the material that the guys had, you know, were uh, Easter and things like that, and you look at what I had on, on Vigil, you know, if you actually put the, those, both those albums together, which could have happened if we'd taken the break and we had a wealth of material that we could pick and choose from, you know, and, you know, maybe if I was working with Mickey and, and bringing stuff, I don't know, I don't know. But, you know, it, it would have been an incredible album. It would have been a great follow-up to Clutching of Straws. But it never happened. I think, you know, personalities, the way that people had grown up, different attitudes, the way we'd matured, you know, or whatever, you know, where I was as a person. You know, if we'd taken that time, if we'd had the break from each other, because we hadn't had a break from each other since basically 1980, well, if you look on the band really starting when Ian Mosley joined, you know, we hadn't really had a break from each other. We were always on the road, always, always in the studio, always writing. We didn't have any space and... You know, as I said, at that point in my life, I was kind of, my, my personal life had changed. And it was, um, and I think if I'd been given time to develop and if I had the space to, um, if I had the space and then the security, it might be different. But it's all by the bys, you know? I mean, um, it's, uh, it's interesting. But that was Vigil. And uh, I want to finish, right? Because it's like, I think we need a little bit of lightheartedness. And I picked the, I've got the perfect song, right? I've got the perfect song for this. It's great. <laughs> you like this? Right. How did I do this? Right. So moving to the end of the program. One year ago since the lemon tree. This is the longest I've ever been off the road in 40 years. Right, 40 years. And, uh, and that's kind of creepy in its own way. Oh, let me see if I get this. This is going to take a little bit out. No. What track is it? Uh, go! And 12, 13, 14, 15. I thought this would be a good ending tonight. I forgot about this song. I love it. I saw this man once at Hammersmith Odeon. I wasn't a huge fan. Something I'll talk about in another programme. But... Go. Cool. Too long. Of course, not right along with them. I got no natural rhythm. 
Just a dancing fool. I'm talking about. Disco bug. Disco bug. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Another fishing Friday. Dancing fool, dancing fool, dancing fool, dancing fool. Ladies and gentlemen, the end of another fishing Friday. Take care, stay alive, be safe, follow the rules. We're not out of it yet. One year since my last gig, and uh, we're moving up to the anniversary of Fishing Friday. So, until next week, take care and stay alive. Good night, dancing fool. Good night.